Wow. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this. My son had a soccer game uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, they went to a place where nobody won. And then they went to first overtime, second overtime, and then it was sudden death. And it was amazing to me how that when the other team scored the goal, his team just fell on the ground. Kids were crying. Kids were mad, throwing dirt. One part of the group was celebrating, and one part was depressed. I was watching some football games recently, one being OU-OSU. Some of the fans ran onto the field, the OSU fans. They won by three points, and they just didn't score in the last couple minutes. And I just started thinking about this two minutes, two minutes. You got two minutes. I used to play athletics, and, you know, Joey knows on the basketball court, man, when it's under time, you got a game, you got to get it on. There's urgency. Go to you, feed you the ball. (laughs) Feed Joey the ball. Give me the ball. (laughs) Anyway, you know, when this... When this two-minute warning is up, you play differently. You work harder. You live differently. There's this urgency. And and can I tell you by the Spirit of God, there's a two-minute warning in the Spirit. It's not for football. It's not for basketball, soccer. There's a two-minute warning by the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you, something in this church we always talk about is lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Something we always talk about is being driven by eternity, not by what you see. We walk by faith, not by sight. We want to live in the spirit. If you live in the flesh, you will be full of fear. You'll be scared. But if you can get over into the spirit realm, this is the most joyous time for the church that we've ever known, we've ever seen. Can I have an amen? And, and so as I looked at this, I looked at Luke 21 where it says this. This is the amplified. It says, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread, and apprehension, and expectation of the things that are coming on the world, for the very powers of the heaven will be shaken and caused to totter. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great transcendent overwhelming power, and all his kingly glory and majesty and splendor. Now when these things begin to occur, look up and lift up your heads. Because your redemption and deliverance is drawing near. Look, look at that. Look at that. Look at that scripture right there, 28. You see it? It's big. So, so I remember as a kid playing all kind of sports. And you're always kind of looking up at the clock. One minute, 150, 140. One, you're always looking up at the clock. How much time is left? How much time is left? How much time is left? How much time is left to do what God's asked you to do on this planet? And so he says, lift up. Notice some people are looking down. That's not what God says to do. When you're depressed, you look down. When you're full of joy, you look up. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable like this. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. And when they put forth their buds and they come out in leaf, you will see for yourselves and perceive and know that summer is already near. Even so, when you see these things taking place, understand that the kingdom of God is at hand. Truly, I tell you, this generation, those living at this definite period of time will not perish or pass away until this has taken place. This two-minute warning that God's telling us right here in the scripture, 
No man knows the day or the hour. So we can turn to Matthew 24 and we can do a whole dissertation on the scripture. And we can say there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines, famines. There'll be pestilence. And, and you can read that. And as, as Dr. Mike Hayes did a great dissertation on that at the men's retreat. And it goes from different places, different times, different seasons. But then when he talks about the fig tree, he talks about Israel. So that's why your pastor tells you Israel's God's clock. Whatever you see happen in Israel means that God's getting ready to do what he wants to do. I'll say it again. Israel is God's clock. Watch Israel. So Israel's always likened unto the fig tree. And so if you keep your eyes on Israel, you'll see what God is doing. And so this is not a time of fear. It's actually a time of excitement. You say, well, what's the difference? We've always had wars. We've always had rumors of wars. We've always had earthquakes, famines, pestilence all through the ages. But we've never had deception like we have now. I want you to think about that. We've never had media, social media, news, fake news. We've never had an agenda a man to be able to be spread of wickedness, greed. We've never had deception. They'll call evil good and good evil. The Bible says that all these things will happen in this time, but we've never had this kind of deception. So when we look up and we lift up our eyes, what's the game plan? What's the game plan? Pastor, we know Jesus is coming. We know it's an exciting time for the church. Actually, it's an exciting time for the church, and it's a terrible time for those who don't know Jesus. It's not, it's not fear and fear-mongering and trying to get people saved. You know what? We've done that our whole lives. We lived as the light. We want people to see who Jesus is. But now, people are either getting darker or lighter. And so, we, the church, are called to get brighter. Isaiah says it this way, Arise and shine, for thy light has come. Gross darkness will cover the earth, yea, the nations. But my light will rise and shine upon you, and the glory of the Lord shall be seen on you. This is our time. This is go time. This is, we were designed for this time. Come on, how many believe that? We were designed for these days. See, if you don't believe this, you don't have this hope. And if you don't have this hope, you live in fear. And that's a horrific place to live. So I said, Lord, give me three points. Give me three ideas. If we're looking up and we're lifting up our eyes, if, we're, if we really believe that there's a short time, a two-minute warning, what ought we to be doing? And here's what I believe the Lord said to me. Focus on your purpose. Number one, focus on your purpose. What is your God-given design? What's your divine design? What were you made to do? That young kid who's a son of mine that has way better hair than mine <laughs> wrote that song and he plays, the, he plays the keyboard and guitar and everything he can every night. And I don't make him do it. He does it on his own. He writes songs on his own. That's been in his heart since he was a little child. And I pulled him out and put his diaper on and he would sing at one. Is that true? He would sing. He would just sing. Do you have a divine design? You know what you were born to do. There's a design that God has given you. There's a purpose. There's a position. Every player has a position on the field. Every person has a place in the kingdom. Acts 13, 36 says it this way. This cannot be referenced to David. For after he passionately served God's purpose for his generation, he died. He fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body experienced decay. 
Do you know what makes me? You say, Pastor, well, you're, you know, you can be healthy only in your 50s and you're waiting to get my age and your back hurts. Listen, listen, I don't get up for Cheerios. I don't get up for Wheaties. I don't get up for a ribeye. I don't get up for a lobster tail. I get up for Jesus. I get up because I have something deep inside of me that wants to fulfill the purpose of God. Why he put me on the planet. What is that purpose? The greatest day of your life is is the day you were born. And the second greatest day is the reason you find out why you were born. And what you're called to do. Maybe it's a school teacher. Maybe it's a school board. Maybe it's a superintendent. Maybe it's a judge. Maybe it's a president. Maybe it's a whatever it is. It's the plan of God for your life. I say in this last day, let's get busy with our purpose. And so God's eternal purpose is what matters. Not a house, not a temporal thing. Luke 19 verse 9 says it this way. Excuse me, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh unto Jerusalem. And he said because he thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said therefore in verse 12... A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and he delivered to them ten pounds. And he said to them, look at this word, occupy until I come. Well, pastor, why don't I just go watch Netflix, binge out, save water, get some food, be depressed, eat Cheetos all day and Twinkies because it's just destined for failure. That's not occupying. Actually, this word occupying, the Greek, it, it gives two words with it. The two main words are, number one, to protect. And now we think sometimes protect, protect. So I'm going to go get my AR. I'm going to save some water and stand on my porch with a gun. Don't come take my stuff. That's not what God's saying. He's saying protect that which has been entrusted to you. How do you protect that word? How do you protect that truth? How do you stand for truth and protect the word that God's given you? But the second word that combined in the Greek is invest. Invest. And and, and as you study this out, invest with intentions of great gain. In other words, invest expecting to take ground. So whoa, 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 whoa. God tells us, and you can go ahead and read the rest of this. And, you know, you can go back to Matthew and read about the stewards. God gave you a gift. God gave you a talent. And he said, occupy or carry on business or do business. One translation says, carry on business till I come. One translation says, take ground, gain ground. One translation says, make the best investment of your money. And we know the story. One guy buried his talent and he sat on it. He didn't do anything with what God gave him. And what Jesus say to him when he came, he said, take he that has the least and give it to him that did much with what he had. How many are doing something? Come on, stay in motion. Don't get in fear. Don't get in anxiety. Don't get in worry. Come on, let's let's make some gains. Let's do church up the middle. Let's gain some ground. Let's get some yards. How many can get some yards? Amen? Come on, take ground. Occupy until I come. So let me finish this and go to the next point. Ask God, ask yourself, what's your position? What's your position? Are you a kingdom person? He's State Farm. He was a strong lineman at Geneva College. But he's a man of God. He's got a wife that's a woman of God. He's got two kids that are are, are arrows in his quiver. And they're strong men of God. Right? So what's God giving you? What are you doing? Everything that God has given me, 
I'm leveraging for the kingdom of God. My family, my children will be taught, oh Lord, great will be their peace. My finances, everything is leveraging for the kingdom of God. Everything I have, my vehicles, my house, my stuff, it's all temporal, but I'm leveraging it for the kingdom of God. What are you doing with what God gave you? There's a great engineer right back there. There's Danny. He's, he's a great engineer. There's a man of God right there. Works for BNYC, the, whatever it's called. There's a great chef right there. There's a great, there, 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 look, there's people all through here. Pharmacists right there. People right there. Uh, you, you baseball player right there. What, what, are you, what are you leveraging? In other words, how have you impacted the people on this planet? A school teacher that's passionate. A nurse that's passionate. We do the will of God. We don't get to retire. We get to occupy until he comes. We get to carry on business. We get to make great gains. If I get to spend a trillion years with Jesus, and that's only the beginning, and our life's 70, 80, 90, 100 years, the Bible says this life is a blink of the eye. I'm living for eternity. I'm not living for something that passes. I'm living, I'm opening the word of God and I'm cracking the word. I'm opening the playbook and I'm living by it, not by my desires, not by my flesh or the lusts of it. Come on, give Jesus a shout. Come on, say truth. So I say this to you. What is, what is, what is your position on the field? I didn't call myself to do this. This is the hardest job in the world. I wish you'd have gave us something easier. You, you, you become a ministry gift, you get an arrow on your head. You get a target on your head. You get arrows shot at you every day. It's a fight, man. It's a fight of faith. But as a Christian, you become a Christian. You get an arrow on you. You get a target on your back. You get arrows shot at you every day. He says, occupy. Don't worry about that. Carry on business. Make great gains. Occupy. Carry on business. Let's get busy. Come on. This is the best year of our lives. How many believe it? He said, don't let what's going on in the world disturb you. I just seen it. People shaking Washington, screaming and yelling, throwing stuff in their back. Hey, and, and by the way, turn off the news for a little bit. If you watch that too much, you'll be depressed. You're going to need Prozac and Twinkies. Stop watching the news. I check it every once in a while to see what the devil done. Then I go back to the word. Can I have an amen? Let's look at number two here. So find out what God called you. And can I tell you in this church, he put people in positions. Some guy's technical. They're back here running the sound and lights. Somebody's making graphics. Somebody's playing the drums. Somebody's ushering. Somebody's greeting. Somebody's running life groups. Larissa administrates. He organizes. This guy can write songs. That guy plays the guitar. Joey, you can't see him. He looks like a bobblehead in all black back there in the black. But he's working day and night behind the scenes. People are giving. People are serving to make this happen. And you know what? That, 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 that guy that's like Anthony, he has to get down on the ground and push a guy on his back. He's going to get a reward because he protected the quarterback. Or if he was a linebacker or a defender, hey, not everyone has the same position, right? But the team wins together. Come on, the team wins together. So we're going to stand before heaven. God's going to go, I called you to be a halfback. I called you to be a fullback. I called you to be a, a tackle. I called you to be a kicker. I called you to, everyone has a position. Everyone has a grace. Everyone has a place. And you have to run your race. How many know? Because you're going to stand before his face. And all I want our church 
in the black and gold section in heaven is to hear is, well done, thy good and faithful. Come on, Ron, you got it. Well done. Well done. How many want to hear well done? I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what you people online say about me. You're upset. Email to idontcare.com. You know why? Because I have to stand before him. Or you're a little bit too. The Wall Street Journal interviewed us last week. They said, your church is really political. I said, no, we're biblical. If someone chooses to stand with Israel, it's biblical. If someone chooses to stand with pro-life, it's biblical. If someone wants to bless people with economics, it's biblical. I'm not getting political. I'm listening and living by the word. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's move on to number two before I get stirred up. Whatever your position is, move the ball down the field. If you're defense, whatever you are, let's make big gains in the name of Jesus. You know, I look at this guy right here. Stand up. Bob Wormonger, stand up in Jesus' name. This is our prayer general. You don't see him up here a lot, only at prayer time. He got one of the biggest, he probably got a bigger reward than me because God called him to this place. Stand back up in Jesus' name. God called him many years ago. He said, God called me and Janet. Janet, stand up. Stand up, Janet. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up in Jesus' name. Now everyone sit down. Now listen, that man, he came to me and said, we're praying for your kids. We're praying for this one. We're praying for that one. We're praying for Amy. We're praying for you. We're praying. He's a general in prayer because God called him to be an intercessor and have my back. He's like that blind side movie. What is that? The left tackle or something? He, he, he's, he's got my back, man. Every time I'm getting ready to get hit, he's sheeted by Basoto. Boom! Put someone on their back. My mother, stand up, Doris. God called her here to pray. She's here to pray. Not because she's my mom. She's a prayer warrior. They say all the time, we got your back. We got your back. I can't do this without them. We got Laura's. We got Larissa's. We got Pastor Matt's. We got, I, I could go on and on. Pastor Joe's and I can't, we are a team. Amen. Everyone say, get in your place. Let's go to number two. So we understand our purpose. It's very important that when Jesus comes, you're doing his will. Not your will. Come on, not your will. I said to a guy, I was up with Eddie. We were, man, having revival at, at uh, the new Cochrane Fort. It's not Day Fort, it's Cochrane Fort. We were preaching to each other, getting stirred up. And he said, Pastor Buck, I wouldn't do anything right now. Anything unless I heard from God. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't buy a pair of shoes unless I hear from the Holy Spirit. These are different times, man. You're called to move here, called to take this job. Don't do anything till you get in the word and you hear from God. Which means number two, plans. The purposes, the plans. I think the plans all come from the playbook. The playbook is the promise of God. No matter what you think the UN wants to do, no matter what you think the USA wants to do, no matter what you think Hamas wants to do, no matter what you think the power brokers and the billions are the world, it's God's plan that's going to stand. How many know all my hope is in that? You say, how do you know that? I went to the playbook. How many have been reading the playbook? I'll tell you, if you start reading the playbook, even through the Old Testament plays, you're going to find out God loves Israel and God loves the church. And these two entities, he's going to shake like never before right now. And they're rising up. And I love this. Psalms 2 says it. 
How dare the nations plan a rebellion? You think God wrote this, he didn't know what was going to happen in Tao, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, the next future? How dare the nations plan a rebellion? I think this is prophetic. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold a summit. The rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, saying, wait, 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 don't think this attack is against you because you're a Christian or a Jew. Now, the, the attack's not just against you. I can't wait. I can't wait to share and see what our Christmas thing's about because a Jewish Savior came from Jerusalem. Is it anti-Semitic? It's anti-Christ. The world hates the Jews because this playbook came from that place. This playbook came from rabbis. This playbook came from Jerusalem. This, this Savior died on a cross in Israel. This Savior died on the cross. This Savior rose again on the third day. This Savior is the seed of woman that is going to crush his head. And the devil's in a phone booth right now, dialing, not dialing 911, drinking a bottle of Malox because he knows his time's almost up. He knows the glorious, victorious church is about to rise like never before. This is the most exciting days on the planet. Some people don't even know this because they've been in religion their whole lives. Religion sucks. If you've been to have a form of godliness with no power, going through the motions, listening to some dead preacher that has nothing to say, you're in big trouble. Get your life right today. Jesus is coming, and there's no mistake about it. The world is in upheaval. Jesus is coming. Get ready. It's not about this life. Come on, it's not about this life. You're going to say that crazy bald-headed pastor told you, it's not about now. It's about eternity. They keep saying, let us come, break away from the creator once and for all. Let us cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ once and for all. What's God doing right now? Listen to what God says about it. God enthroned merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. Then in fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words. I myself have poured out my king of Zion, my holy mountain. I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. Come on. I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. So what's God's plan? This is the one for you. Ready? I learned this in about fifth grade. And it became one of our scripture memories at the, at the school I went to in Tulsa. And it was Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans. The Amplified says, I know the thoughts I think and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of plans of welfare and of peace, not of evil, to give you a hope and a final outcome. One says an expected end. How many know we have an expected end? We have a joyful departure. Amen. Before all hell breaks loose on this planet, we have a joyful departure. You say your post-trib, pre-trib, it really doesn't matter because Jesus took all the wrath of the Father and he said it's not appointed unto us to receive wrath but great salvation. How many are expecting some great salvation? How many know at the end of this, how many know two-minute warning or not? I'm sitting here at two minutes. You know why? Because... It wasn't just an illustration that we were 93 and 0 in, in, in high school. And I was like, how does it feel to lose? I said, I don't know. We don't know. We don't, how does it feel to be depressed? How many know for the church, how does it feel to lose? 
I don't know that. I, don't, I, I haven't identified with that because I, I, I serve. My quarterback, Jesus, is the winner. <laughs> and he's not going to throw a Hail Mary. He's just going to steamroll the enemy. We're not hoping something works out. We know. We know. Amen. Come on. Listen what he says in 2 Peter. This is going to help you today. How many believe the word of God is good? Who has your playbook? Who has your playbook? Your Bible. Hold up your phone if you don't have your Bible. And by the way, get rid of the phone for your Bible. Get a Bible and read your Bible because you'll get distractions all day when you're reading the word, okay? Get in the Bible. Read the playbook. So why are you so excited, Pastor? Because all the things that God said are playing out. God calls the play. Israel's going to be surrounded. Ezekiel 37, 38. Magog, Gog, Tabul, Turkey. It's, it's all playing out. It's like I just turn on the news to confirm what God said. Come on, I want you to hear this. How many have read the Bible? How many know it back and forth? Come on, if you read this back and forth, Israel's everywhere. Everything about Israel, it's everywhere. What happened with Jesus? What's going on? It's everywhere. It's happening now. It's exciting. It's prophetic. It's not pathetic. But Second Peter told us this. Look at verse 1. Beloved friends, this is how the second letter I've written to you, which I've attempted to stir you up and awaken you, look at this, to the proper mindset. Come on, who has the right mindset? Never forget both of the prophecies spoken by the holy prophets of old, the teaching of our Lord and Savior spoken by the apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, mockers will multiply. Hold up. Yeah, pastor, go ahead and teach. I've heard this in, well, I've been alive longer than you, and I've heard this in the 70s. I watched Corey Ten Boom. I watched the movies about the mark of the beast. And I thought Jesus was coming before I was 13. And then I thought Jesus was coming in 1988. And I thought Jesus was coming. They said a generation is 40 years. Then they moved it to 70 years. Now it's 100 years. No man knows the day or the hour. But how many know only the Father? But we do know the season. And I can assure you we are in the season of Jesus' return. So it's exciting. But mockers will multiply. I'm telling you right now. This is all setting up. You think it's just funny that they call it fake news? It's all setting up for the rapture of the church where we're, exit, where, where we're exited out of here. And they're going to go, aliens took those crazy people. I say, my house will be full of food. If you know where I live, go over there. If you don't make it, start eating because we're good. I'll be out. I don't care about this world. My car will be full of gas. Go drive it till you whatever. Not concerned about it. I'll be out of here. How many are with me? We got half. Let's go. Actually, that's prophetic because Jesus said half the church will be false. He said half the church will have their lamp oil full and half will not. And they'll say, hey, Natalie, give me your oil. Many will come in that day and say, Lord, we prophesied. We've done good works in your name. He said, I've never knew you. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. But those who do the will of my Father. Anyone doing the will of the Father? Above all, understand the last day mockers will be chasing their evil desires. They will say, so what about this promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried, yet everything is still the same. And it is since the beginning of time until now. Everyone shout deception. And now, by the same powerful word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for judgment day, when all the ungodly will perish. So, dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice. A single day counts like a thousand years with the Lord Yahweh, and a thousand years counts as one day. Verse 9, this means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. Come on, give him praise. 
Well, 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 hold up. You say, why are you getting excited? I got saved when I was five. I've been waiting for Jesus to come a long time. I've been living. Now, I made tons of mistakes, but I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect. But by the blood of Jesus, I am perfect. By his forgiveness, I am perfect. By his righteousness, I am perfect. Because he sees me through the finished work of Jesus. And I look just like Jesus. And so do you if you're a believer. Listen, the Lord is not late concerning his return as some measure lateness. But rather, his delay, look, look at the character of our God. You say, God just can't wait to blow up the earth. Some of you guys have been taught religious stuff. He's going to kill you. You've seen some bony-fingered preacher point at you. Hell, hell's hot. He wait, hell was not prepared for man. It was made for the devil and all his angels. Jesus made a way out of hell for great salvation. So you have people trying to scare you. That's not a relationship with a loving God. But listen to the character of our God. Why is he holding back everything? Why is he holding back? Why, hold, hold, hold up, hold up. I got to wait. One more person's getting it right today. One more person's getting het, set free today. One more person's coming today. Russ got to win all of Bondi, Lincoln, Mercury, Beyondi. That's Bondi printing and Beyondi, Lincoln, Mercury, okay? Little advertisement going out, printing cars. You want a navigator? Go see him. You want printing? Go see, right? Bondi and Beyondi. Am I right? Okay, good. You Italian people make me crazy with the way we pronounce your names. <laughs> Abriola, Raviola, I love it. Listen, listen. This is, I don't even know where I was. Now I'm getting hungry. But listen, it says, it says they will say, man, do I have enough time to even finish this? The beginning of time to now. Wow, this is, this is, I love this. So it says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, markers will multiply. They will say, what about this promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried. Now the same powerful word of the heavens and the earth reserved for fire. Oh, there we are. And judgment when the day of the ungodly will perish. It says, but friends, don't let this escape your notice. One single day, a thousand years. This means that on the contrary, man's perspective, God is not late concerning his promise to return as some consider lateness. But rather his delay is simply reveals his loving patience toward you. Yes. You know what he's saying? He, he, he's saying, you, you say, I've been cheating on my wife, man. I've been... I've been looking at pornography, and I just, I'm just a sinner, and I sin. And, and, and the Lord's saying, because of my mercy and compassion, I want one more person to understand my forgiveness and my love. I'm patient with them. Get your crap together, right? Toward you, because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He doesn't want one to perish. Not your cousin, not your friend, not the mean guy. And can I add in there, not, not Hamas. Not Palestinians, not Arabs, or God hates. No, God loves the whole world. No, no, we're not, we're not fighting and standing with Israel. The reason we're standing with Israel because the playbook says they're going to win no matter what comes against them. Do you get it? I don't care what they say in the White House. A confused, disgruntled, dumb president. That's what we're dealing with. Let's call it what it is. We pray for his salvation. He's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. They're telling him, vote for Israel. Speak for Israel. Go and speak for Israel. Now they're shaking the gates of the White House and want to blow it up. How many know this isn't Democrat and Republican? It's darkness and light. And the enemy is upset because he knows Jesus is getting ready to breathe on everything and bring an end to it. So he's, he's in a seizure right now. So listen, he says, because he does not want any to perish. And so he gives us a job that all should come to repentance. Now the day of the Lord, look at this, the day of the Lord will come and take everyone by surprise no 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 your pastor's up here telling you get get get, get ready as an unexpected home invasion 
The atmosphere will be set on fire, vanish with horrific roar, and the heavenly bodies will melt away in tremendous place, and the earth and every activity of man will be laid bare. Since all these things are on the verge of beginning to being dismantled, don't you see how it is vital? It is to live a holy life. We must be consumed with godliness. Hey, wait, wait, there, there, we at least got a couple amens on that. Let me read it again and we'll act like we're not in the Baptist church. Are you ready? I'm joking with you. Okay, Presbyterian. Ready? Ready? We must be consumed with godliness. No, 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 no. I'm consumed, Pastor. Today, you got to preach quick so I can get home. The Steelers aren't even playing, but I got to watch football. Stop being consumed with the things of this world. Read the playbook. Stop being consumed with money. Stop being greedy. Stop being selfish. Stop living for the flesh. Start living to the spirit. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh corruption. Stop being a hurt church person. Stop being easily offended. That's the devil's trap to keep you in sin and messed up. Wait, wait, you say, what's that mean? Ed Young gave that to me. It says, whole nother level. Our church is going to whole nother level. Say it, whole nother level. Say, I'm going to a whole nother level. Wait, wait, wait. On three. Whole nother level. One, two, three. Are we going? Come on, Jesus. Where's some of these musicians? You got to get me out of here, man. Go get your rice burner fired up. You're going to have to run me fast to the North Hill. You got turbo in that thing? Let's go. Ready? Not late concerning his promises. Let me, let me close with number three. This is the important one. Ready? So, so, so say with me, God's purpose, God's purpose. My, position. my position, God's plan my position. is his word. It's his will. This is the confidence we have in him when we ask anything according to his word. I tell you right now, live by the word of God and pray in the Holy Spirit. What time's prayer? Tuesday at eight? <laughs> Come on. I, I'll tell you we're a house of prayer. And we, gotta, we got some people praying, but we need everyone praying. And I'm thankful for strong men in this church. Amen. Do we have any strong men here still? You still jacked up from the men's retreat? Say amen. Oh, did we lose some? Come on, base section. Men. Well, they're all over here. Okay. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's all right. So we have this purpose that's eternal. We have this plan of God that no matter what you think, you might be right now building your lake house, thinking it's the best, and that you're, that's consuming you. You might be thinking, i got to go buy a new car, and I, I, I looked on the internet, and I'm studying it. Well, you, you can get consumed with that. You can get consumed. Stop showing me your lunch you're eating. I don't want to see it. Social media, nobody cares about your burrito. It's temporal. So, 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 so we understand his plan. It's an eternal plan. Don't do anything without checking with the word of God. Say, it's my playbook. It's God's promise. You say, what are you living on right now? What do you, why do you live by faith? Because I'm living on the promises of God. I know what's going to happen to Israel. I, dare, I would hate to be a Hamas dude. I would hate to be one of these guys that's in the world, that's antichrist spirit, that whether they're from Iran, that God loves. And by the way, Iran's having a revival. They're having more churches. And one day that Aitola is going to smote them. God's going to smote that dude if he won't turn. And those people are going to be free from that oppression. 
greedy, wicked men oppress people and hold them down. And that whole area, God's going to move, man. That's why there's so much congestion going on right now. But look at this. Finally, we got purpose. We know God's plan, but we need his power. His power. Ephesians 6, his power to stand. You have power to stand. He says, therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done all that the crisis demands, stand your ground. Don't let the devil put you on your back. Well, wait, wait, wait. People say, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And this is what the devil's doing. Can I tell you? I, I wish I could go into Marxism. And, and see, if you not only went to college, but if you traveled the nations of the world, that's why when I lived in Russia for so long and I came home, I kissed the ground. My brother picked me up in Chicago and I kissed the ground in the grocery store because I've never lived under such communism. I recognize Marxism. I recognize communism. I recognize socialism because we have freedom. And our, 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 our United States of America has never known tyranny like, it, like the devil's trying to bring here now. We have freedom, man. And the devil wants to fill this place with, with, with what's over there. But, but here's what's interesting. we got to stand our ground. So, so, so the truth is, to stand on the word of God is, I don't care what people say. Someone said, are you bold enough to say I stand with Israel? Yes. I'll be preaching in a messianic place next weekend. I'll be preaching over here. I'm having lunch with Jews every week in Squirrel Hill. I, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud because I know what God's promise is. So you say, you say, and my friends are telling me in fear, they're saying, Pastor, I feel like everyone hates me. Everyone wants to kill my kids and my family. What's the reason? And I just got a hope and a reason to tell them because you're the lineage of the offspring of Abraham. Satan hates you because the blessing of Abraham end up getting on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So the devil wants to take you out. And as they say, the big Satan is USA and the little Satan's Israel. We're going to wipe you guys off the planet. So we're sitting there going, oh, isn't it great in America? And the devil's saying, I'm wiping you out next. How many know? Nope. How many know there's too much light? So, so, so having done all the stand, I'm taking a stance. See, you have to take a stand. You can't be a weak church member. You can't be a weak Christian. You got to be strong in the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost, know the playbook, know your purpose, be engaged in the battle, be doing your part. And then what happens? What happens is these people say, this deception says that through the 25 years of bad seed in these universities, we now got kids that say, I don't even know why I hate Jews. I just hate them. Because it was given to you in the educational books that you've been reading every day. At Harvard, at Yale. Isn't it interesting? These were all Christian universities. Every one of them. Every one of them were established in Christ. But they've gone away from the Christ. The anointed one. And they've got secularists. They got humanists. They got, I know better. Same thing that happened in Babylon. I know better, God. I know better. Well, God says, go ahead, show me what you know. That brings us to destruction because pride comes before a fall. So I look and I realize that somebody in our society can't stand up and say Hamas is wicked. You say, pastor, don't get political in church. Hamas is wicked. The name in Hebrew and Arabic, it means to wipe out. It means terror. It means fear, fear to, to put something in you that caused you to be. It's straight from hell. But some people can't say, and, and, and you know what? They'll call evil good. Everyone's blaming Israel right now in the media. This is Israel's fault. So you have a neighbor come over and shoot your whole family, and you say, man, that, that guy that shot them all, he's, he's the right guy. This is sick. This is demented. This is twisted. 
And, and I think about, doesn't mean those, some of those Arab people aren't beautiful. I just preached to a bunch of them in Egypt, in October 6th city. I just, I got friends that are, there, there's people that are, God, how many know there's one new race? It's those who know Jesus. It has nothing to do with your ethnicity. It has to do, you're either light or darkness. You're either for Jesus or for Satan. That's what this last battle is about. But listen what he tells us. To stand on your feet, Acts 4.31 says, And as they prayed, the earth shook. And it says, causing the building where they were to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Let me close with this scripture, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I had a guy accuse my dad of something. It was Pastor Bill Shear. I was sitting in a room in a hotel in D.C. getting ready to have a meeting with some different senators and Mike Hayes and about four or five years ago. And he introduced me when I walked into the room for, for supper with about ten pastors in there. And it never hit me till he said it. He introduced me as, hey guys, this is Pastor Buck. He said, his father was a first century Christian. That's how he introduced me, mom. His dad was a first century Christian. I was like, what does that mean? When dad got saved and mom got saved, they got filled with the Spirit. And one of the reasons I stand here today is because they weren't church, church players. They lived the word of God. They didn't say, we're going to serve God on the weekends. We're moving to Tulsa. We're going to follow God. We're selling everything. We're going to sell out to Jesus. We're going to, I, I, my, my friends thought I was weird. I was six years old. You pray in the Holy Ghost? Oh, yeah. Catherine Kuma was down here. Revival was on. Brother Hagan was coming to town. My mom was going to Bible study. We had to do Bible study every night. And what happened was I watched my father through his whole life. Until the day he died. I was embarrassed of it for a season when I was a teenager. And I just met with Ricky the other day. And, and Ricky's like getting people healed everywhere he goes. He was sitting right back there when a guy preached. And we were here. And you know this because he told you personally. He got delivered from drugs. He got delivered from marijuana and alcohol and cigarettes. Just like that in one second, didn't he? And, and, and now he tells everybody everywhere. A guy had cancer. He put his hand on him. He said, be healed. The guy kept back. He said, I can't believe I'm healed. He said, he's telling the guy to, at the get-go, hey, Jesus loves you. He's, this was my dad. He just believed. And, and, and can I tell you in, in the closing of this, there's a spirit-filled mechanic back there that will bore your car out to make it smoke every car on the planet. Right, Matt? Wait, 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 wait. God uses, God uses guys that work with their hands. God uses... My dad worked with his hands, but he was a chaplain for Ford Motor Company. And, and can I tell you, everywhere he went, people got saved. It was revival all the time. And I was like, Dad, can't, do we have to do the Jesus thing? Can't I just play some football? Can't I just play? Can, can you just? No. Jesus had consumed his life in such a way. He was dying of cancer in the Hillman Center. And I remember his big hand. He said, get that guy over here. He's sick. He could care less about himself. He said, he's sick. Let me get my hand on you. He's still seen people healed in the midst of him going through this traumatic situation. You know what? What's, what? Let me close right here. What's the world waiting for? The manifestation of the sons of God. My dad was accused of being a first century Christian. They loved not his life unto death. 
that gave all of his finances. He wasn't a cheap bastard. When you get saved, generosity overtakes your life. He didn't hear Robert Morris' 66 chapters on blessed life. He just knew something changed. He wasn't told you have to preach the gospel every day of your life. He just knew something changed. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, you know, Pastor Buck, you do that, but not all the church does that. It doesn't mean any of us are perfect. doesn't mean he's perfect, my mom's perfect, or myself. But you know what? The Lord said, tell my body, ask yourself if you're really saved if you're not a giver. Just ask yourself that. Because if any man's in Christ, he gets a new nature. I'm not going to, you say, why don't you take an offering in this church? Because if the Holy Spirit can't get you to give, I can't. If the Holy Spirit can't get you to give and love people and stop gossiping, how am I going to do a thing on gossip? If you're, not, if you're saved, you love the brother. This is how we know we pass from life to death because we love the brothers. He loved, he got together a Bible said We didn't have to force him to go on a men's retreat. He wasn't forced to go to life group. We just walked out the will of God like the first century Christians. Laying hands on the sick was part of our life. Are you sick? Forget about reaching for the aspirin. Pray first. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What's God looking for? Just people that really believe the word and will be doers of it. That will take you to a whole nother level. I'm grateful for that life because I I don't sit around and tell him, what's this kid do? He works his tail off all week. And then he goes out and what's he do yesterday? We don't see him. He comes home. I got a new guitar. It's acoustic. I can't wait to worship God. He's up there all night till late at night. I don't tell him to do that. That's in his heart. That came from his grandpa. That came from his grandpa on both sides. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you guys being an example to your kids? Do you witness? Do you have boldness? And that's, that, that's God gives you this boldness. Are you ashamed? Because I'll tell you as I close today, if you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you. That he gave us this life on this planet to go tell people God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And we're ashamed of that? Why are we ashamed of that? Because nothing ever really changed on the inside. I realized now my dad was looking to help somebody. It wasn't him. It was the greater one in him. He was looking to heal the sick. What was Jesus doing? Looking to heal the sick. Looking to see someone delivered. Looking to see someone with suicide be in the right mind. Finding someone with a broken heart. And releasing, releasing the anointing that's on the inside of you. Christos, the anointed one. And his anointing is in you. And it's Christ in you. It's the hope of glory. Don't play this game of this world. Don't get caught up in stuff and vacations and trips. Don't get caught up in the pleasures of life and the selfishness that it can bring. It's fleeting and temporary. Heaven and earth will soon be past. Only what's done for eternity will last. It's a two-minute warning. Jesus is our Savior. He's the King of the earth. And what the world is waiting for is a manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. What is that? His purpose, you're carrying it out. His plan, you read it and know it. But when you ask God to consume you and take you over, our neighborhood, we grew up in a Catholic neighborhood. They all called us crazy. 
because we got born again. We were at St. Gerard's, Magella, Penn Hills. The priest thought my mom was crazy. She said, I got a new language. He said, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. We got the power of God in our lives. We got the Holy Spirit. As Jesus went away, he said, Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And now he'll guide your life. He'll help your marriage. He'll guide your children. He'll teach you how to profit. He'll teach you how to prosper. He'll make you a healer of the sick. He'll make you to do exactly what Jesus did on the planet. How many are in for that? 